0: This is the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about leadership and management with government executives and thought leaders who are truly changing the way government does business. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. Over the last decade, data and analytic capacity in government has advanced rapidly. Notably, since the enactment of the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act of 2018, federal agencies subject to the law appointed chief data officers and have begun to implement their required actions under the federal data strategy, such as creating inventories of data assets and creating learning agendas to improve data literacy in their agency. The COVID-19 pandemic has clearly demonstrated the importance and value of being able to share useful data quickly. What is the data strategy for the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA? How is DISA leveraging data as a strategic asset? I'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Caroline Kaharski, Acting Chief Data Officer at the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA. Caroline, welcome to the show. It's great to have you.
1: One, thank you for having me, Michael. Uh, really excited to have this opportunity to discuss the data efforts that we're currently having in, uh, in DISA.
0: So, Caroline, before we delve into specific initiatives, would you provide us with an overview of the history and mission of the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA?
1: Absolutely, Michael. So, uh, DISA has been providing communication system support um, really from the 1960s. DISA uh, was originally known as the Defense Communications Agency, or you know, DCA, um, and started in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, the creation of the agency was um, designated as um, as a needed strong focal point for uh, DoD development, um, integration, and the operation control of of ground and satellite based communication tasks. Um, DC. A grew uh, really grew over the decades and supported many many military efforts such as Operation uh, Desert Storm and Desert Shield um, by providing that long haul network support, um, voice switches, technical control facilities, and, and many other data support elements. Then around 1990s when DCA then became DISA, D I S A. Um, the Defense Information Systems Agency, due to a reorganization and and how DISA really expanded its role um, in the DOD. So from from then until now um, and beyond, we have supported and we will continue to enhance the overall communication infrastructure uh, really at a global scale to to support our warfighters, our Secretary of Defense, our White House, and, and all the other DoD information network support elements.
0: That's, that's very helpful. You know, I was wondering, what about your office, the Office of Chief Data Officer? Uh, would you tell us more about that? Mainly what I'm trying to get at is what's the purpose? How does it fit within the organizational structure of DISA?
1: You know, so DISA created the the chief data office last year in 2021. While we've been using data and managing it and having all these different data initiatives, we never really had a a focal point, a a core office for these data uh, requests and information sharing initiatives to, to come through. So in you know 2021 we began looking at what the organization, what the chief data office should look like, and then also the resources needed to uh, to start that hard work of evolving DISA's current view of data and and also the knowledge management practices that you know come from that data management. Uh, you know, the purpose was to obviously create the the chief data office that would that would begin spearheading that agency approach to, the um, the evolution of our data management, um, you know, how to make use of all this vital data that we have and then turn it into information for our internal and external, just components uh, to really leverage at that center of gravity, right? You know, to have that data high ground that will enable actionable decision-making capabilities, you know, for that, for, for the agency, really, um, the, The chief data office resides under the direction of the the DISA chief information officer, Mr. Roger Greenwell, and is in the newly created center, the Enterprise Integration Innovation Center. This center houses the chief information officer, the chief uh, technology officer, and the chief data officer, um, and also our uh, risk and uh, security management division and our, um, our operations engineering division. So having all these different entities together, it really helped to craft a center that is creating an ecosystem that starts with ideas and ends with realization
0: nice kind of gets into that idea into it realization so i'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your specific duties and responsibilities as the acting chief data officer at disa would you outline the portfolio under your charge you know and how do you and does your office support the overall mission of the agency
1: so the the core intent from the the chief data office is to influence and lead disa to use data um, that derives business and operations outcome. I mean, work closely with all uh, district directorates and, and provide guidance for data use across the agency. You know The CDO is here to help with those governance and, and policy frameworks for our programs and services to use to ensure that the, the data being traversed internally and externally is quality data that will help our mission partners to to execute their tasks in an efficient manner. Great. Right? So so lots of words to say that the the CDO is really here to to craft the quality of the data and and make it usable. You know, since we since we really do have so much here with DISA. Um, yeah. Some specific responsibilities um, would be obviously to create that DISA. Data implementation plan, which is much like, um, you know, a data strategy. We're just really naming it the implementation plan. And that's to meet the direction of uh, the DoD digital modernization strategy, the DoD CDO data strategy, and also that just a strategic plan. Um, You know, we've received our orders from, you know, various leadership and and our implementation plan will be the framework that we use to, to meet that mission. Another would be, you know, to grow the use of knowledge management by providing, you know, knowledge management best practices and information to the workforce. One of of my biggest focus points is while we are going to be asking the agency to to change the way it uses data, we got to give them the resources to be able to do that. I, I can't tell somebody to do something if I'm not gonna give them the training or tools to do it. So we're really focusing on ensuring that the workforce is able to meet these data demands um, that, that we're putting forth. Um, a- another one would be you know, really working across our cyber and business um, data custodians and working with them on how we can exploit the, the data to our mission partners, really in that secure and ethical manner. Um, this will really help to, to increase our data sharing opportunities to our DOD mission partners. And it goes to that elevation, you know, elevating their ability to, to make that, to make actionable decisions from the data that we can, we can provide.
0: That's a wonderful portfolio. You know, um, I was wondering, since taking over your role, And and given that expansive portfolio and the the, the charge that you're leading, what are the top management challenges uh, that you've faced, uh, and how have you sought to address some of those challenges?
1: Uh, You know, you you ask this as a real, you ask this at a at at a great time, Michael. Um, Since we are really officially like in our very first 100 days uh, of of having a chief data office, we, you know, I'm I'm at the point where I can I can take a step back and, and reflect. Um, on those challenges that, that we've encountered and, and how do we, um, you know, change the responses that we originally thought that we had to what they actually should be based on, you know, the, the path that we're now walking and, and have seen in the first 100 days. Um, some of those challenges would, would be, you know, number one, really acquiring the right, the, the correct resources from the beginning. Um, an example would be you know we, we solicited for um, like uh, some, some data governance support resources and and when we wrote the documents for that support we, we wrote it in the mindset that the chief data office was way further down the road than what we originally were so we quickly had to learn that we needed to pivot and, and adjust that support verbiage of what we really needed in the first phases of building this office that that gave us the ability to, to capitalize on, you know, external resources at where we are right now, instead of with the expectation of where we're going to be. The, the foundation of a chief data office is very, very important on how we're going to be able to leverage that authority within the office. So understanding, you know, what's, what resources we needed to, to meet that authority was, was a bit of a challenge. Another challenge that I think that we'll have really throughout the life cycle of the chief data office, you know, whether it's today, five years, 10 years, is, is really just communicating to, to the workforce and, and all that, you know, the, the chief data office team is we're really here for innovation, not disruption, and sometimes those two things can be seen as, as the same or, you know, possibly misinterpreted. You know, we're, we're not here to completely turn data use upside down, uh, but what we are here to see is, is how we can mature with our data use, you know, uh, providing the workforce with illustrations and true details of the, the case for change of our, of our data use, you know, letting them see where the true value can be can be taken um, if we were just to to possibly rethink what we're doing with data and where we could be with data.
0: That's great. You know, I was wondering, you, you said, I didn't realize it was the first 100 days or kind of close to that, but how exciting is it to build an office from the ground up?
1: It's really exciting, uh, Michael. I'm I'm so thrilled to be able to really kind of craft something out of nothing. You know, it it took about four months for us to create the the plan and begin implementing that plan for the office. Um, And and I very much enjoy watching things grow. I I have a bit of a green thumb. So, you know, planting the seed and, and watching something come from nothing to where you're actually bearing fruit. Uh, is, is such a privilege to be a part of. And I feel that's exactly where we are with the, the CDO office within DISA.
0: So what surprised you most since taking on this role?
1: What surprised me most? Um, there's been lots of surprises around every corner, Michael. But what has surprised me most would possibly be just really the buy-in that we've already encountered from leadership and, and really the agency workforce. that that we've been able to reach out to. I I was really surprised at the desire to assist in not just building this brand new office and pouring resources into it, but also the willingness that lots of different offices and individuals in the agency were really willing to provide um, much needed resources when we, we really didn't have anything. Um, when you when you create an office, and this is public, private, where wherever you are, you don't typically have people, um, machines, you know, money just laying around you can pour into it. It's something that you have to really work across across uh, party lines in in and, and build that together. So. You know, really having that that buy-in from the leadership and willingness to provide, you know, resources really proves that the importance of having um, the CDO, this the single data management component for the agency, how important it is for DISA.
0: So, Caroline, would you tell us more about your career path, how you got to this leadership position? Uh, just a little bit about about yourself.
1: Sure, I. I've been with DISA for about 15 years, uh, working in various areas of, of the agency. I, I started at um, in Oklahoma City. Uh, DISA has a computing center out there, and that's that's where I began my career. Um, I started providing office, then mobility support, then operations support. So just kind of moved my way through different, you know, technical levels. And um, my then my family and I we moved to meet about five years ago, and that is when I began learning the business side of the agency. Um, regardless if it was cyber or business, I, I, one of the things that I, I always carried with me was uh, the lack of, um, you know, data normalization, the lack of readily available data at, at all times. Um, in the operations environment, it would be, you know, having to ask three different people for three different pieces of data for one problem, which is always a bear. But then also with the business, it's basically the same thing. Three different people for three different pieces of either a report or a briefing, think something of that nature. So I was always kind of trying to push for people to collaborate more, share more data, just really information gathering sources, you know, aggregating that um, together. You know, I've always really asked the why about everything, and that, that's really helped advance my position, um, and also gave me an opportunity to learn a little bit about all the different areas of the agency and the services that we provide. You know, this is a, is a very important supporter of the DOD, uh, and, and I honestly couldn't be happier to be a part of that. You know, my, my career path is, is rough to continue solving problems. and and providing value where I can, (laughs) Um, you know, I do have a desire to, to advance, you know, within the DOD, um, but, but I, I, I will continue to focus on really where I can best provide value um, for the agency.
0: Caroline, I was wondering, how do you lead? What characteristics make one an effective leader? And perhaps you could share with us some of your leadership principles that guide your efforts.
1: Yeah, that's quite the philosophical question, there, Michael. So you know, <laughs> the the ability—well, in, in my purview, from from my experience and, and what I've seen to be effective um, from feedback is, you know, the ability to lead effectively and efficiently is, is really something that I strive to provide in, in all that I do. And and my leadership style has has really grown over the years. And What works that I've seen is is that it will change depending on the situation. It will change depending on the the person, the audience, and and also the topic. You know, a great leader um, really works with their people, you know, in there with the people, not just directing them, but also listens. Listening to me is, is a key component for leadership to listen to their people, not just to respond, but to help craft solutions. You know, listening to suggestions and and really empowering people to make those decisions and take their own actions. Uh, the leader shouldn't be the only ones, you know, taking the action, making the decisions. You know, it really should be a team effort because that's that's really what you want to cultivate is that that team. Um, you know, I I have a keen awareness of knowing I don't know everything. Um, I can definitely admit that, but but I strive to learn, and you know, be better in areas in my life personally and professionally. Um, and leadership is definitely one of those things. Uh, I like to read a lot of books about what I don't feel strongly on. And whenever I very first started supervisory roles, um, and now the CDO leadership role, uh, started gathering as many books as I can. And, and a leadership book that that has always helped me, and I think I've read it about two to three times, is a book titled Call Sign Chaos by a retired you know, general, James Mattis. Uh, His views on leadership, uh, his focus on mission, and the compassion that he shows toward his troops really craft uh, a leadership style that that resonates with me and I feel most people in the the public service um, elements that um, can appreciate it.
0: What is the data strategy for the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Caroline Kaharski, Acting Chief Data Officer at the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA. So uh, switching into more about the strategy that you're working on, Caroline, could you share with us DISA's data strategy and, more importantly, the key priorities of your office?
1: Right. So, at you know, we spoke just a touch on it earlier. You know, we are currently... Um, drafting and finalizing the DISA data implementation plan, which is that, you know, the DISA data strategy. Um, And that is to meet the the DOD-CDO data strategy, but also the DISA strategic plan that our Director General Skinner laid out and the DOD-CDO data strategy that Mr. David Spirk laid out, those house the strategies. And now it's up to, you know, DISA components, you know, Chief Data Office included, to map an implementation plan on how to meet that strategy. You know, our key implementation priorities include the exploitation of DOD data, uh, you know, across the DOD in that secure and ethical manner. We, We cannot forget that those key points of being secure and being ethical with what we are doing with our data. You know, DISA provides many, many services to the DOD and the infrastructure, has a vast amount of data that traverses across it, so we really need to harness that that data and and share the information from that data to the warfighters um, that need it to make those actionable decisions.
0: So Caroline, as a follow up, um, I was as I was developing this around the strategy and what are there specific internal drivers which I think you alluded to, and I'm also interested any external trends that have shaped. And inform your strategy,
1: right? Yeah, the you know the 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 DISA strategic plan uh, data is outlined as its own line of effort, which is line of effort number three, and um, titled uh, "Leverage Data as a Center of Gravity," uh, which is accelerating data managed projects across DISA and the DOD. Um, that that is that is a huge. Internal driver um, that will help us to collect and analyze data that we have. Right. So also finding where data lives, who the data stewards are, where we have deficiencies. Um, that is also on the radar. The the DoD has worked in data silos for decades. Right. That's just been the mentality that we've had. What data I have is mine. What information is mine, and I may or may not share with you. Um, so this has really led to the workforce of hoarding data and having a massive amount of redundant data out there which you know is unfortunately using a lot of our resources and time to parse out what is truly an authoritative data source and what really has the quality of data that we're looking for so we're looking to integrate those silos consolidate where we can if not just ensure some type of some vertical integration consolidate where the you know the data lives and create that balance of governance governance and and policies that will only help to increase that that data quality
0: that's important so you know i, I think one of the uh, part of your role that is, is that of a champion so what are you doing caroline to advocate for and support uh, the dod enterprise and thinking differently about the data you mentioned that it's been siloed forever and, and what is that Sort of champion cheerleader. Uh, what kind of work entail?
1: I think that you use one of the the best description phrases for this is that that cheerleader, right? You know, this is an area that I see being the the big rocks for really all chief data offices. You know, private public, wherever, you know, the, the DoD has always had that mission of that, keeping that information safe from adversaries. And, and like I said, you know, having that need to know, oh, do you need to know, do I need to share it with you, um, which has led to really, you know, disparate, distant, and disjointed data efforts, uh, internally and externally. So while the security of our data is of utmost importance, we have to really expand the minds of the DoD workforce to want to share data in that secure and ethical manner, you know, looking at data as an asset, as a tangible tool for us to capitalize on that will enhance our mission effectiveness. Um, That's a mindset that we are trying to craft, Um, that data-centric mentality, um, you know, to quote General James Mattis of, what do I know? Who needs to know? And have I told them? That is really the message that I'm communicating within DISA and to some of the other external working groups that I get the privilege to communicate with you know, almost daily. Now, this, <laughs> this effort really entails um, a lot of evangelism from all areas of the workforce. Um, we really have to provide that robust training for the workforce to kind of help re-engineer their thinking into becoming you know, data, data-centric, you know, into them thinking about the data first, I want, you know, there's a service that needs to be implemented. What are we doing with the data? Normally, that's the question asked a little further down in the engineering and and implementation of services and programs. But what we're trying to do is flip that script and have it asked at the beginning so that data quality, that data sharing is built into the beginning of our capabilities and our services that, that will really help helped them to understand the, the true life cycle of, of data into knowledge and and how we can help manage that entire life cycle
0: yeah I mean it, you kind of alluded to it or introduced I think one of the aspects of it and the mindset shift and the data is that you got to find it you got to retrieve it you got to figure it out uh, but it's also a change management. Effort that you're dealing with, and I was wondering, what are some of the key challenges to transforming the DISA culture towards a more data-centric one that uh, that looks at data as a strategic asset, but make sure that it's discoverable, accessible, and decision enabling?
1: Right. You know, building the office itself has many challenges, like we spoke about. Now, now, really transforming DISA to Change the culture is, has a whole laundry list of, of key challenges as well, but none that are big enough that we can't overcome it. right? We, we will definitely find these solutions to all of these key challenges. Um, a, a few that I can you know kind of spitball is, is a, a key challenge that I'll always come back to is, is really walking that fine line of risk and innovation. So as, as DISA and our, our workforce matures with how we're changing some of our business strategies use for our capabilities, you know, we will, we will have to take risks to achieve true innovation. And we need to carefully craft and weigh out those risks to ensure our investments and our missions are supported and enhance our day-to-day decision-making. So really thinking about what we're wanting to do with data, how we need to change some of our infrastructure or even business processes. What are the risks there, and how do we properly gauge those risks to meet that innovation? Right? Operation procedure changes are also a key challenge. You know, I've, as stated, I've had the privilege to work with a. Uh, a number of, of different places within the agency. And um, I used to work with a, a, a woman who's really been a pioneer in the data world. And she advised me uh, when we very first kicked off this, this chief data office, not to use the word change. Because of course I kept really reverting back, oh, we're gonna change this and we're gonna change that. And uh, she said, no, 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 let's, let's dial it back from the word change, but use the word evolve. Um, or mature, because, you know, as human beings, we get nervous whenever somebody starts talking about change. We and that's completely understandable. But if we begin crafting the, the conversation and, and really using the words mature and change, we will be getting the buy-in from the workforce that we really need to perform these key functions. You know, in the end, it is a change, but it's, it's really how you communicate it and evolve those operation procedures. The last key challenge I, I would really kind of hone in on is time. We're looking at achieving small wins that really help to give that proof of value to the workforce and, and everywhere else. That data management and knowledge management will help to drive efficiencies. Um, and it will prove that these the evolution of our data use it, you know, is, is, is going to be effective. But the big picture of, of getting to a, a data maturity level a needed data maturity level, uh, where we could be trusted as an influencer. Uh, that That's going to take time. And, and the foundation work that we're laying down right now, you know, it isn't fast and it isn't flashy, but it is 100% necessary for us to be able to truly get to that maturity level that we need to get to.
0: And Caroline, I, I like the way you bring risk equation into this discussion and also the idea of, yeah, it is tra- it's change management, but it, it is actually an evolution of how an institution or an organization like this, decides to use an asset like data. So it's a very interesting, it was a very interesting way of putting it. And and it kind of transitions into that foundation you were talking about. And where I'm going with this is what can you tell us about your data cataloging project?
1: Yeah. So um, as an effort to really automate finding our data, uh, you know, knowing where it lives, um, who, who the data stewards are, you know, how is it being used? We've invested in a, a data catalog capability that will really push the modernization of, of our data use. Um, it's, you know, when we're talking about data catalog, and, and I think yourself and, and probably the majority of, of listeners out there can, can appreciate, you know, whenever we used to go to the library and we would go to the filing cabinets on the wall and start thumbing through all the little cards um, in alphabetical order, you know, that, that really had that that book catalog for us to find the right book. Well, on that catalog, it really didn't give us a whole lot of information about the book, just really the title, the author, um, you know, when it was written and where you can find it. And that's what we're looking, um, that's, what, that's what we're implementing within the agency right now is that, a, that ability to go a, a, across our environments, and start finding what data is where. Before we can start really implementing those changes or those, those new governance and policies, um, that will begin with you know role-based access, that will begin with piecing certain data sets together for easier reporting, finding that redundant data, and possibly you know helping to, to converge different environments. We needed a, a capability to help us do that. Uh, trying to have the workforce just send us in spreadsheets where, where they're manually inputting what data they think they have where, that, that was just not going to meet the mark. So that is that is when the data catalog project really came into a a prior, a prioritization effort um, for the chief data office.
0: That's wonderful to to understand that. I mean, it seems like you're doing a lot of things in that regard. So I was wondering, Caroline, would you tell us more about your efforts to develop and implement the data governance and policy framework? I know you guys are in your infancy, but this is like when you have the time to do that. What are you doing in the area of data governance and the policy framework?
1: Right. I mean, going back to that data catalog, Really, what's going to make that work whenever it comes to securing data, the sharing data, the finding data are going to be the, the governance and policies that we put in the back end. So, that's just one example of how the data governance and policy framework is going to help with the agency. The multiple efforts that are being worked um, to establish a framework that will enable DISA to move from really making decisions off instinct and partial data. But to use a holistic data view to back up our instincts for those business-driven decisions, one is definitely the, the data catalog. The other are data sharing policy, data classification policies, and, and overall, just working with different entities on what they're doing with data and, and where they're putting it. Um, you know, one of the major efforts that, that I go back to is listening. You know, we, we spoke that, about that when it comes to our leadership style, but it's, it's, I have found that it's really helping with our development of, of the chief data office itself. Um, lots of listening through interviews that we are conducting really within every corner of the agency. We're talking to system owners, we're talking to system end users, we're talking to data stewards, data custodians, you know, senior leadership, really anybody that has a vested interest in what we're doing with data and how we're doing with data. <laughs> and maybe they don't know that they have a vested interest in it, but once we get to talking, they, they figure that one out. But it's, it's really helping to identify gaps and common flaws that we're experiencing as an agency. You know, from from what we've really derived is a, a list of problem statements or you know, or really use cases that we will begin working from to, to build those policies and that governance framework. Um, it's it's a really exciting time to be part of that chief data office since since we're really learning quite a bit about the agency and also how we can really help to, to propel the agency to where it, you know, where it could go, where it could be.
0: My next question was around, was getting away from the operational stuff. Are you folks in any capacity within your portfolio um, using sort of the artificial intelligence machine learning in your efforts or contemplating how, how it will help you in in, in in either, in some cases, getting the data out there that you need to make uh, informed decisions, but also as a way to defend DOD networks.
1: Absolutely, Michael. I mean, it's it's all about evolution, right? It's all about going from manual to automation to MIML, you know, um, so we, we have a lot of those conversations. Um, you know, AI and ML are really the next steps Um, in the DOD data mission itself. And and that's really across the board. So, you know, how can we leverage AI and ML and where is it appropriate to leverage it? Those are definitely uh, questions and items that that we are putting on our strategy board and and where we need to, to really automate a lot of those manual tedious processes so that we can allow our workforce to, to prioritize our efforts. You know, if, if we get bogged down with some of these tedious things, we're, we're really um, starting, you know, we really suffocate ourselves from being able to appropriately resource some of the other items that are so high on the agenda um, within the agency. So working together uh, across the, the, the various divisions and directors and centers um, and, and finding where that data evolution to automation, to to AI and ML, that's really you know exciting, but that is part of that evolution, like I said, of, of where we're getting to strategically.
0: How is the Defense Information System Agency leveraging data as a strategic asset? Well, we'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Caroline Kaharski, Acting Chief Data Officer at the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA. We're transitioning a little bit to the idea of data sharing. And within your uh, strategy, within your effort to build this office, um, could you help me understand what data sharing is and maybe walk through the level of complexity for data sharing and perhaps? I don't know. As you're building this, can you identify some characteristics and benefits of data sharing?
1: Right. So, so data sharing. You know, what is it and what does it do? Um, we could talk all day long about. Oh, we need to start data sharing. We need to do this. We need to do that. But, but you're right. Until we really define it, it's kind of a concept in the air, right? So, um, let's let's take our current pandemic situation. The sharing of COVID data really has helped to save many, many, many lives by by sharing data sets um, of positive testing rates, hospital bed availability, uh, high transmission areas. This all provided information for the world to start creating processes to, to help keep you know, countries safe, you know millions, billions of people safe. Um, all of these processes were built on data sharing. Not one entity for this global pandemic really did it by themselves. You know, we were, we were all sharing data together. And, and, and that to me is a, is a huge uh, proof of value of data itself and how data sharing can really help any situation. Um, you know, we wouldn't have been able to really attack the virus the way that we did without that openness and that sharing of that critical data, right? So some characteristics, and, and key benefits of, of data sharing would be uh, verifying that data and, and keeping certain data within context. I think that's a layer of complexity that, that data stewards and, and data custodians have and, and need to be vigilant with, right? So um, ensuring that certain data is tagged or defined properly, what that does is it tells the data users how it should be correlated and how we can put it with other pieces of data. So uh, like when one piece of that data puzzle doesn't align, then you've lost that data high ground. You've lost that data integrity and you're not gonna be able to tell the true story of that data and information that you're really wanting to convey.
0: Caroline, DISA recently launched a clean sheet budget review to ensure its spending plans are aligned to the agency's latest priorities. How will your office contribute to the success of this process?
1: Yeah, you know this this um, clean sheet budget review is really great in the agency. It's it's giving all the programs the the opportunity to to highlight who they are, what they do, what they have, what they don't have, and how is the agency going to strategically use them in all different facets. Um, I've I've definitely personally learned quite a bit about, you know, some some of the services details that I was not privy to. And I believe a, a lot of leadership and individuals that are part of that review board and, and meeting um, are learning a lot as well. So that's, I, I think that that is a, a, a great contribution right now. So, you know, what I'm personally doing, what the chief data office is doing is, is really listening to the, the needs and concerns of the programs, much like the majority of the other senior leadership. What I do is I ask you know, what pieces of data or information that they lack um, or how they are implementing, you know, data integration, you know, where appropriate and other things of, of that nature, you know, data storage. Um, how are they doing some of their cyber analytics, especially for our DISA operations center, our DISA business systems? How are we possibly sharing with that, you know, that vertical integration I was, I was talking about, possibly between those systems to, to help, you know, in, in putting data in one system or environment and having it traverse through the entire life cycle of that decision making across different systems um, where appropriate, of course. And this has really helped to highlight needed efforts, but it's also really helped to identify efforts that are are mature and can be leveraged by other programs. So having these conversations where we are able to see, okay, you're lacking this, let's have you talk to this other office and and build that bridge for information and knowledge sharing. Or we, we see where there are programs that are more mature when it comes to their data use and 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 have that, you know, the, the portfolio documentation crafted already. Let's share that template with some of the other programs so that they have that, you know, that knowledge management toolkit of much needed documentation for their programs as well. So for me, it's a lot of listening. And then a lot of piecing together with, with who is, you know, kind of a little further ahead and how can we help out other programs, but then also where are the gaps and how do we help to fulfill those gaps um, in a, in a priority matrix.
0: You're also doing stuff um, around a part of your portfolio of knowledge management. I was wondering if you could share with us, maybe outline some of the projects and initiatives being pursued in this part of your portfolio.
1: Absolutely. So when we really think about data management, you know, those are really the key buzzwords right now. And and knowledge management is is a key player in that data management life cycle. You could really kind of go either way with knowledge management being the key phrase or data management being key phrase. Because really in the end, you know, they are they may start at different points of that data life cycle, but they are 100% dependent on each other. Um, and, you know, just as very, very lucky that we have an amazing... Uh, knowledge management branch that is residing within the chief data office um, as an asset for for the agency. We have a a great group of people that are very process driven, um, that have a history of providing the knowledge graphs, uh, knowledge portals, and um, other entities that really help our workforce find authoritative information sources pretty quickly. Um, instead of, you know, we, you've always heard the key phrase, if you if it's more than three keystrokes, you've already lost the end user. So what our knowledge management team tries to do is is provide those knowledge graphs or those those information systems that help the workforce get what they need at the at the single pane for their at, at their fingertips. So they're they're currently creating that knowledge management toolkit with best practices. Um, with best practice documentation, excuse me, and, and examples of um, knowledge management tools for that information bundling, right? So while our system owners and program managers, you know, they, they have a list of, of key elements that they have to have for authorization to operate, um, you know, really just for program health. It's not really documented anywhere in a portfolio type of bundling. So so the knowledge management team is trying to trying to craft that to give to portfolio managers so that they have an organization tool that they can use. You know, they're working with leadership to to really evolve our our SharePoint use and our SharePoint sites and and automate the information population from from various areas of our of our technology, of our Microsoft Teams, um, that will reduce the manual efforts across the agency. If, if you're putting information in one area, um, what we're doing is we're trying to automate the information from one area to just automatically populate in another area by tying the two together with the um, some of the tools in the back end. You know, as stated, r- reducing the manual effort, ensuring that we have authoritative information out there is a huge thing that, that our knowledge management team is doing. You know, w- one other huge effort that they're <laughs> that they're working on right now is, is the FCA TechNet Knowledge Management Symposium. So our knowledge management branch actually helps to organize this symposium with FCA. Um, it's, it's a three-day symposium that has DOD and uh, federal speakers, also has workshops when available. And um, what this does is it helps to build and show the importance of knowledge management. Uh, we have, you know, tons of of service discussions, data discussions, defense discussions, um, knowledge management should definitely be one of those discussed um, as well. That's that's what's really gonna help, inf- that's gonna help that information sharing. Uh, the next symposium um, is uh, in Baltimore in April. So that's uh, that's coming soon.
0: So Caroline, what do you think the private sector can do better to help you with your efforts. And, and to what extent are you working to leverage, I guess you would say, commercial best practices in the area of data governance management, sharing of data as a strategic asset?
1: Right. Well, you know, you know, that the the public and, and private sector have always kind of uh, you know converged in certain areas and you know, the public sector definitely relies on private to help us meet the mark sometimes, you know, providing services and and resources and things of that nature. So I often reach out to the the private sector for, you know, conversations about like where they are with their data, you know, journey. Um, What were the roadblocks that they had to overcome? You know, what, what were, you know, big, um, big items that they maybe didn't foresee becoming a big item, but then maybe, you know, evolve to that. Um, you know, I look to industry to really help push our current efforts within DISA to help align with that DISA strategic plan and, and all the lines of efforts um, within that strategic plan. You know, our industry partners should be having those conversations with our, our, our DISA program owners on how are, we, how are we meeting the strategic plan and, and also providing some ideas on, on how to get to, to that next step.
0: So throughout our conversation, you, you've kind of alluded to this, but I wanted to get in more depth about it. And, and that is, how are you leveraging partnerships and collaboration within DOD and across the federal government to help you and enhance your efforts? And are you learning from the work being done um, amongst the services, if you will, outside of DOD proper uh, or by other federal agencies?
1: Yeah, you know, I I. I said earlier I'll be the first one to say I don't know everything about everything. <laughs> so so this collaboration within the DOD has been very, very important to me on ensuring that we are walking in the on the right path when it comes to the, the creation of our chief data office and, and the framework that we're going to be using to you know to keep going. So you know the DoD has a has a vast landscape. Um, but in the area of data, we're we're a pretty great alliance group. We definitely talk quite a bit, almost daily sometimes. Uh, there are multiple working groups spearheaded by multiple agencies across the DOD. And, and we meet often to discuss key topics, not just um, not just data use or data maturity, but also how are we going to meet some of the data efforts that are being passed down from Secretary of Defense, uh, JADC2, the ADA efforts. How are we... How are we meeting the mark in the digital modernization strategy, things, things like that. Um, you know, we discussed the, the data security, data encryption. Um, how are we, you know, utilizing our enterprise identity, credential, access management tools, you know these, these are topics that are often on the table that we that we talk about.
0: You know, it was been a wonderful conversation. And one last question for you, Caroline. And that is given your, your background, your career, your time, your leadership position right now, what advice would you give someone who may be thinking about a career in public service?
1: Wow. So you know I have I have two two kids that you know, often you know, ask what you know. I, I ask them what they want to be when they grow up, and sometimes they they say they want to do public service. Sometimes they want to do private service. But uh, really, in the end, what I when I want to tell people about considering that career is, um, you know, when when I look at all the areas of the DOD that DISA touches, uh, I'm constantly reminded why I'm in I'm in public service, keeping this remarkable nation safe and and en- enabling our American public to, to continue to have the freedoms that we fought so hard for not so long ago um, it really inspires and energizes me every day. I know that my job and, and really all the jobs in, in public service are here to keep this great nation safe and it's an honor to be a part of that. Um, I think anyone who is in the public service uh, would share in that same feeling
0: that's terrific carolina i want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today to join me but most most importantly most of all i want to thank you for your dedicated service to the country
1: awesome thank you uh thank you michael for 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 giving us this this time to discuss you know what we're doing in, in the DISA agency and the dod i think highlighting these great efforts is is really important so appreciate your time as well
0: this has been the business of government hour a conversation with caroline kaharski acting chief data officer at the Defense Information Systems Agency, DISA. Be sure to join us next time for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government leadership and its effectiveness. Until then, subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at Podcast One, iTunes, or on your favorite podcast app, and as always, at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us.